Yo, this is Zero from El Vu and LA Natives Podcast. And I'm happy to announce that Malinali Superfoods now has a storefront location. And we invite all our community to come and partake in our family recipes, in our ancient foods, and in our intention. Our intention is to gather our community, to share the wisdom of our ancestors, but most of all, have a place to be ourselves. So we invite you to come to 4528 Whittier Boulevard in the heart of East Los Angeles. So come, stop by, enjoy our awas, our superfood smoothies, our nutrient powders, and understand that food is our medicine. Our ancestors were brilliant engineers, and they created strong, powerful foods that we share with the community. Aho, omateo, tonansi, tonato. How we doing? Yo, How's Zero, man. It's, it's a great week. Absolutely. It's, it's been hard work. It's been a lot of work continuously, but I'm getting used to it and it feels good. You know, everybody at the, the Malinali Cali and all the people that come from the podcast, you know, they come and support. I just want to say a thank you. To, you know, if I seem a little tired, it's, that's the only reason is that they're long days, but I feel happy being here. I love doing this podcast. I love talking about our issues. I love meeting new brothers that are doing the same work, right? Like, um, oh, um, the brother that's coming in. Lucky Two Tears Morales. Yeah, Lucky Two Tears. And I just, you know, to, to have conversations with relatives in other places doing the work that they feel in their heart and the benefit of our community, I mean, we, that's the whole purpose of this platform. Absolutely. So. I want to go ahead and really shout out Everyone that participated in our first open mic event yeah. at the Malinali Superfoods. I was, Honestly, dude, I was kind of nervous at first because, you know, it was like an hour in and like only two, three people were there. But within minutes after that first hour, it just it got packed. It, it's weird how the open mics work. That's kind of the way they work. Like, nobody's there. Nobody's there. You're like, hmm, anybody And come? you know what I noticed? And then, uh, boom, everybody's there. <laughs> there was a few heads that showed up planning on getting on the mic and they were too nervous to sign up mm. and then at the end they were like look i want to say something that's what it's all about right to to inspire that artist that's there and to break through the nervousness right zero well it's important to inspire people to share their voice and share their opinion that's how we learn to communicate with each other you have to share your voice. If you don't share your voice then, and keeping it repressed, and they're, they're, it'll, it'll drive you crazy. But open mics seem to give that artist, the new artist, that new person that's going to express, whether you're an artist or not, maybe you just wrote an essay or you have something to say or you're a comedian or any, any sort of art, right? It's not entertainment. It's art. It's an expression of heart. Because there was a lot of people sharing a lot of, lot of medicine that was coming from them. And, that, and pretty much was just a healing thing. A healing poem. Something that they're, you know, don't agree with very strongly. So it was beautiful to see that. The community. And yes, the most ultimate feeling I had in my heart was when someone was, let me go up there before I change my mind. And stand in front of 30 people and go... I'm going to share my intimacy with you, you know, my, my deepest thoughts, my intention. 
And that's exactly what it is. You know, we we had a, a couple participants that just that just got super nervous while they were up there. And then the crowd motivated them to continue to move forward. And then they finished their their song or their poem or whatever. The community participation is that's what was beautiful. Everybody so, was in the same level. Absolutely. So we will be announcing the next open mic. Um, there's going to be workshops. They're going to, there's going to be brunches. Yeah. Um, we're working the calendar for Malinali as we speak. We have a few things that we've locked in already, which this Saturday <clears throat> we're going to go with, um, um, brother Victor. I forgot his last name, but he, he's from, he, he goes to the, the Huicholes out in Viricuta and he brings back a lot of their jewelry and he has a lot of medicine and a lot of wisdom. And he's going to share our workshop there on Saturday. So uh, this Saturday at Malinali from 12 to 3, I believe. If not, just check our page because we'll be posting all that stuff. We also sold um, vegan pozole, a plant-based pozole. Um, so, yeah, just check out our page, 4528 Whittier Boulevard. That is a place where we uh, share our nutrition, we share our medicine, and we share our community a community has a place to share their medicine and share their wisdom right in the heart of East Los Angeles, the place where I grew up. We did this with no money. This is all our effort and intention. And so we rely on our community to spread the word and support us as we do that. And guys, you guys could find all the LA Natives t-shirts and sweaters right there at Mananani Superfoods. On top of that, you could find matzah scenes merchandise there as well absolutely we're going to have everybody's all the community medicine will be somehow some way put in there if we can get a you know consignment situation well we don't we just really i was kind about of to it. mention that right zero let's help out the community guys if you guys have a solid product that's devoted to the community the uh, healing of the pitch community. it to zero you know yeah. zero is a businessman and he knows what's best for his store and um that's what it's all about well that's definitely the place where you go and do that you know, that's, that's, you know, that I'm not a capitalist, you know, this is not the intention of the store. The store is to be a kind of a health, health food healing center. We'll be going over, you know, many maestros are going to come through there. Not only Masatin, but Masatin will be there. Um, anyone who has a message to our community of strength, perseverance, but most of all, love. And keep in mind, this was hardly any promo, only four days of light promo, and we had a good turnout. Yeah. Well, because the community, we have a solid community. LA Natives have a solid community. Most of them were LA Natives. They were. They were actually, yeah. There was, there Shout was, out to Al Red Dog. He's in the chat. He was with us that day. Thank you. Thank you for being there. Thank you for being in the chat. That means we're a solid community at this point. But. Shout out to Matazuma, who bought the sweater, and he actually performed. Sweet. Dope. Dope. That's supporting participating that's what we want as a community and i love the fact that we had dj warlock one there and i hope he could be our resident dj there when we have our open mics man because he definitely added that spice to the event i mean warlock one is one of the most he's a he's a a diamond in the rough like when when someone really finds him he's gonna really really take off and i'm happy to have met him when in this humble stage you know because i know he has a lot of great places to be and and um and i wish him a lot of luck and when we have him here great um 
December 11th, we are hosting Conejo Underground Hip Hop Blog, and it's hosted by the one and only Zero Evel Vu. How do you feel about that? I feel honored to be in front of my raza. And, you know, sometimes the people, they, they feel like, well, you know, that's not your crowd. And I don't need it to be my crowd. You know, I, I can't preach to people who agree with me all the time. I'm not even preaching. I'm just sharing what my heart says. And if I could share what my heart says in front of individuals who probably don't have or have very little understanding of this, then my poetry kind of helps them. And I've met many, many young men and people in their 30s that are like, man, I used to listen to you when I was a kid. And now and it, it inspired me to go into this. And, and it happens to be something that like Adan San, Dasante or, you know, somebody that went and learned herbs and became a medicine person and you know that I actually music. Re- I, re- I actually remember re- remember the second nightmare before christmas you killed the stage and then when you went back went into the crowd a lot of people were approaching you a lot of people felt what i was saying they didn't know what i was saying but they said we're together on this and that's a that's a powerful thing to be able to speak to the heart you know because the heart is doesn't have a language it just has intentions and it just has a vibration, you know, and, and this brother that's coming up right now, you know, he has a lot of heart and I've seen his posts on Instagram and I'm, I'm excited to meet him and, and hear what he has to say. Honestly, he's to me, he's a super high profile influencer in the indigenous community. Absolutely. Especially for the raza. Yeah. You know, uh, when I stumbled upon Lucky Two Tears Morales, man, I was blown away oh. because I was like, man. Like-minded individuals do exist. Yeah. People who are not just um, walking, not just talking, but walking, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And um, it's tough enough to get engagement on social media right now, man. But if, if, you, if you're doing real work, mm. the engagement will come. Yeah. Right, Zero? I think when you get to on a, a public platform and you're a brilliant artist... And I don't refer to artists as painters or poets or musicians. I, I refer to artists as someone who can really represent their heart's intention. They do that by wearing certain jewelry. They do that by singing certain songs or making their body look a certain way. I feel that from this brother. He has a very, uh, a very straightforward, there's no, there's no question where his heart is and who he represents. That's cool. I would love to meet him. So let's go ahead and bring him right in. Oh, brother. How you doing? Yo, lucky two tears. Good, good. Good, Yo, I want to thank you for accepting our invite, brother. You know, we've been going back and forth for a few months now, man. And and we've been communicating. And uh, now's the time, brother. And I really appreciate you jumping on board. Oh, no problem. problem. It's an honor. honor. Absolutely, brother. Why don't you introduce yourself to our community and welcome? Well, well, my name, my name is Lucky Cheers Morales, Morales the Yaki Nation, oh. uh, community, community activist, or, or uh, barrio, barrio activist. activist. Mm. I'm getting, I'm getting a, lot a lot of echo, echo right, right now. Right in um, like right my ears. I'm not sure. If you have your side up with volume, it might, it might cause a... a I think I went ahead and fixed it. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Yes, sir. All right. There it is. Good. 
I was like, bam, right in my ears. Like, what the heck? Oh, sorry about that. We're still know. learning this equipment ourselves. Yeah, so. you know, I, I went ahead and changed up the echo cancellation. It seems like it took like six, seven seconds for it to update. Yeah, kind of latent, the latency of, of, you know, streaming. That Sometimes that happens. Guys, we got Lucky, two tiers, Moranis in the building. I would highly encourage everyone to follow him on Instagram. Absolutely. He has one of the most amazing pages right now. Absolutely. Well, thank you, brother. Appreciate that. So give us a little bit of background on on on, on who you are. Well, first of all, a Barrio activist. I've been uh, affiliated with uh, the End Barrio Warfare Movement since I was about 17 years old. Mm. Uh, back then, because I saw the bigger picture, I saw what was really going on uh, back then. At the age of 17, I knew the difference between the reality and the illusion of Chicano, Mexicano pride. So I didn't get involved in none of that, any of that gang politics stuff. Mm. Uh, my outlet was writing poetry, uh, being a pencil artist, submitting my poetry and my illustrations to to some of the local mom and pop uh, Chicano publications, little magazines that were circulating around the neighborhoods, uh, the South Bay area. And uh, that was my way of um, dealing with what was going on around me with all the negativity with Raza against Raza, fighting fighting over street signs stuck in cement and barrio ter territory that they could never buy, sell, nor own. So you know, I was seeing all of this going on and I was saying, I said to myself, that's not for me. You know, I'm I'm native, you know, I, I'm not gonna get caught up in that Rasa against Rasa politics. But at the same time, I wanted to be part of this movement, the Envadio Warfare movement, in order to educate those that are that were caught up in the crazy life, educate them on the difference between the reality and the illusion of Chicano pride. Wow, Zero, that's that's deep, bro. To, and to, you know what? To have it at that young age, yeah, 17, and to, to break the illusion that um, colonized oppressors kind of force you to live, right? Brother, you would agree that we're kind of forced to live that way. You know, you either... Exactly. You, and you make this tough choice, right? You make this tough choice of like, I'm, I love that guy right there. That He's my best friend, and we go to school together, but he's, he's bought into that colonized road. Right? right. And then something inside of me when I was young, it was really the love of my grandmother who told me to take care of my body, take care of myself all the time. Take care of yourself, you know, and that's kind of like an indigenous principle to take care of your shell, to take care of your being as best as you can. Well, then that kept you from harming other people for no reason or or a reason that was pushed on to you. So exactly. brothers like yourself are warriors that were from ancient times, I believe, you know, I feel like. Your spirit is just an ancient warrior refusing still to this day to bow down to a colonized oppressor. And I exactly that's exactly that. right on point. That's exactly how I feel. You know, I don't commit nor conform to to the ways that the uh, what the government has imposed on us as a people. I don't I don't I don't vote. I'm not into politics at all. To me, everyone's a liar, whether they're Democrat, Republican. Mm. liberals or whatever i don't i don't care about trump i don't care about biden kamala bush mm. obama none of that matters to me i'm just a yaki trying to survive on stolen land turtle island mm. Mm. and i feel your heart and i feel your intention 
and I love the way you present yourself. I've seen your post, you know. Oh, thank you, brother. And I, I believe I follow you, um, because I get your your stories and I get your your feed on my on my, when I'm scrolling through Instagram. Doing one of my biggest, one of my biggest inspirations when I was, or what in, what really inspired me to really push and and get involved in the movement was a, a speech that my younger brother made. One time we were just kicking back in the room, mm. we were talking, mm. and uh, he said, "So what do you think about?" everything that's going on around us hmm. with this whole gang banging stuff. And I told him, I, I don't like it. And he goes, you know what? And he made this speech and he said, if this what it means to be Mexican or Chicano, he goes, I don't want nothing to do with it. Hmm. And he meant that from that day on, he didn't want to, he didn't want to be Brown. Hmm. You know, he didn't want to be Brown because the only uh, example of being Brown around us at the time we're teenagers was the whole gangbang thing mm. so as we were growing older he you know as we got older the years went on he didn't really want to he, he detached himself from from racism you know or being indigenous he just wanted to uh kind of like uh i don't mean to disrespect my brother but he was kind of like somewhat of a coconut you know what i mean mm. he didn't want to uh grasp the racism because the only example was the whole the whole gang thing Mm -hmm. So I don't blame him for his actions, but because of the fact that I was into art and poetry, I saw that there was a different path or a different avenue mm -hmm. of um, Mexicano Chicanoism, which mm -hmm. was the movement. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's what that's why it was easy for me, you know, and difficult for him. And what age were you in this room when you were discussing this? You were at seventeen years old. At 16, 15, something like that, mid-teens. That's, that's a profound, that, that's a profound heart. You know, a lot of people say profound mind. No, that's a profound heart. Right. right? To, to, at 15, you're still figuring out emotions. You're right. still figuring out what it's like to take responsibility for what you say, go and agree with things with people. It, it's just a, a brand. And to have a profound heart and right. say, Whoa, what is it like? You know, how come people are killing each other, man? And and why do we think it's cool? Why yeah. why do we why do we go along with it? And then to have that epiphany or moment of clarity where you're like, I'm not down with that. Yeah, it never made sense to me. It, it never even to this day at the age of fifty seven, you know, still some of the lingering gang banging that's going on throughout throughout Aslan. You know, it, it still doesn't, it doesn't make no sense to me. Our backs are against the wall as it is. Uh, as an activist to this day, I'm out there educating the Raza and my indigenous brothers and sisters on our constitutional rights in order to defend ourselves against tyrants, mm. the tyrants with badges that patrol our neighborhoods while wearing hypocrisy on one sleeve and racism on the other. Mm -hmm. I think it's very important for La Raza and people of color to know their First Amendment, the Fourth Amendment and the Fifth Amendment when dealing with members of law enforcement in our barrios and the black neighborhoods. Well, law enforcement don't like it when you know the rules. Exactly. They kind of, they kind of assume that you're un un uninformed. You know, exactly. they kind of assume you're, you're a peasant class, you don't read, you don't watch the news, so you listen to my intimidating uniform and my intimidating attitude. But right. when you know the rules, then they have to step back. Exactly. There are rules. It, are it, blo rules. it blows their mind, man, oh. when you can quote when you can quote the First Amendment to them and they can't. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're uninformed. It's not. It's it's a weird. It's the look. My perspective, brother, is that you know, unfortunately, the people that take an oath to protect our communities become a different class of citizen in the exactly. eyes of America. They're they're right. so when you wear a badge or a uniform, somehow, some way, you have authority over someone who doesn't. You have the authority to take his life. Mm-hmm. Those are very deep moral questions that people who wear uniforms have to really realize is that it's almost like in Rome where the soldiers were a different class of people than the regular population, right? right? You could get away with a lot more. They could rape a woman. They could steal from you. They could not pay your bill. They could, you know, I'm talking about the Roman Empire, right? Because they had that upper class of we are a uniformed unification that serves the greater whatever it is elites or governments so it's kind of the same system but if you're uninformed and can't see the bigger picture of it i mean i i really brother i really don't dislike cops i mean either they're just they're just a lot of they're just as uninformed as we are that's all i wanted to say is just yeah I, i i take people every time i meet them then the heart energy gets involved and we look in with our body language. And obviously there are people who are irritated, unhealthy mm-hmm. in their mind and their heart, and they have a job that has authority over you. Right. That, that's a very complex system. But I love your, your way of looking at life because if we look at life as natives, then we're designed to deal with these predators. Right. And I feel like you're one of those brothers. You're designed to deal with these oppressive predators who sometimes cross our path. And not every one of them is a predator. I'm not saying that. I have family that are police officers or, and stuff like that. You know what I mean? I'm not, I don't have any shame and or I talk truth all the time, but individual by individual. And if you are an oppressive colonizer, I'm equipped to deal with you as right. best as I can. Just as right. long as I've, I've met some, I've met in my years of activism, being profiled on the media on a local and national level. I've met members of law enforcement that have come up to me and say, "Hey, man, I really like what you're doing for your people, for the community." You know, coming up, shaking my hand, stuff like that, taking pictures, wanting to take pictures with me because of my uh, my status as an activist in the barrios throughout mm-hmm. San Diego, and um, that's cool. You know, because I think to myself, you know, they're just people. You know, are people. And, yeah. yeah. And then but the reality is there's a lot of good cops out there. But unfortunately, because of the thin blue line gang affiliation, the good cops are afraid to hold the bad cops accountable for their lawlessness. Mm-hmm. So therefore, the good cops are in the same boat as the bad cops until they're able to abolish the blue line gang mentality bullcrap. Well, any organization that that bands together has meetings has you know specific strategies they they're considered you know predators or predatorial right like i i would consider them predatorial if they're not doing the you know when people market police officers they put they, they market them as these individuals that are like fearless and kind and and they're not they're normal people they have the same problems that we have like 
their relationships off or maybe they're on alcoholic or mm-hmm. whatever it is they have their their bad the the uniform doesn't erase that's what i'm trying to point out i'm mm-hmm. trying to point out is that they're a different class of citizen right they're just a tiny bit above you they're but what pro- it all but what it all boils down to is they're nothing more than public servants mm. and they have no authority over you unless you are clearly breaking the law other than that they are public servants you you know when you approach them you could say hey uh or if they approach you without probable cause you know it's always i always tell the rasa and people of color you know if they approach you without probable cause or just hit you up for no reason try to hem you up always pull out your cell phone and start recording that's your best defense because a lot of them don't like transparency and or accountability well they don't like truth exactly the camera doesn't lie this this system is not built on truth if it was then then the officers the military and i can admit the majority of police officers in my experience are disrespectful as shit i remember i was traumatized at the age of 14 15 years old right i was drinking at a park with my friends Mm. the cops actually drive up onto the grass and just pull it right in front of us on our bench mm. so of course as kids we panic we throw the fucking beers but how far can a beer go when you just toss it it's like 20 feet right. away right so the cops gather us all around and they literally tell me you little pieces of shits get the mm-hmm. fuck out of here how yeah. can you talk to kids like that it's it's uh, scary when you and have ever people since who then, have guns <laughs> ever <laughs> since then they were my enemy yeah you know, I've had my own experiences with, with, I have a police story, you know, I'll share it. I was about seven years old and I was running to the store and there was a police officer parked right in front of a known gang house. And he was outside just, you know, fluffing his feathers or whatever the hell he was doing, you know, just, and I'm running and he turns around and I run past him and he grabs me like this, boom, from the neck from the the back of my shirt and pulls me down boom and I just fall flat I'm seven years old and he's all don't ever run in back of me again and just takes off and just takes off this is a long time ago this was about 40 years ago but or 30 years ago they haven't changed but that's the vibe (laughs) that's the fucking vibe they have I've never had any after that experience I don't think I've ever had a, a an experience where they didn't feel like they could hurt me. You know what right. I mean? That's what I felt when I was a kid. I felt like this officer felt like he could hurt me and no one could say anything about it. My mom couldn't say anything about it. My stepdad couldn't say anything about it because we're poor, low class. And that's what I mean. Just if you're a police officer or if you're listening to this podcast, know that we're all human and the uniform doesn't separate your humanity from us. I think that's right. the main message, right? Right. Is don't separate your humanity because you have a badge or you work for a city or you work for a, a, a county or you work for whatever. We're all humans. Enough with the elites manipulating us to hate each other. Mm-hmm. That's what we were talking about earlier, right? The gang. Yeah. I and just, as an activist, you know, I have to often remind them, hey, this isn't Nazi Germany or or uh, communist China or North Korea, you know, you know, I don't have to show you anything, you know, because they have this, 
know, they have this thing where they could just hit you up and ask you for identification, mm. especially in the state of California is not a stop and ID state, especially you're not breaking the law or you're not in the process of committing a crime or anything. You don't have to show them shit. Wow. You know, I didn't know that. See, I see yeah. a lot of this. Information, I, I did not. I, did I didn't not know that. Know that. Yeah. Every time a cop questions me, I give him my damn ID, man. No. Because <laughs> it's like. But I love his brother's approach. You know, up. my brother, my my brother over here, he he has the right attitude. Like, just know your rights, man. Know your rights and know, know when your to rights. do it. Absolutely. Because w whatever happened to the term, um, they're law enforcers. They're right. law enforcement, right? Right. Lucky. Yeah. Yes. So thank you for for um, contributing to this you, movement. Yeah, yeah. And for and so long. letting people know that they have to know their rights. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly. You have to know your rights. It's important for that. I mean, I would. I know I didn't know my rights because when I was 16 years old, I got caught with like 20 pounds of weed. Oh, shit. And I was like interrogated, bro. <laughs> and no one, I didn't know my rights. So they made me rat on myself wow. because yeah. I was so scared. Yeah. Because he told me, hey, look, motherfucker, if you don't tell me who your source is, I'm going to tow away your mom's car. Oh, damn. Your mom ain't going to like that, right? And I'm like, damn, I'm 15, paranoid. So then he ends up giving me a piece of uh, a paper and a pen, and he tells me, write, write your whole story where you got it, who you got it from. And uh, once you're done... I'll go ahead and leave your mom's car right there in the street so she could pick it up later. Mm. Mm. And, you know, things like that traumatize me, bro. Yeah. Well, we, we automatically, we go and we judge the individual. Like, what are you doing with 20 pounds of weed and this and that and this and this? But we are from poor communities, man. We are from very, very extremely poor communities. The middle class of America is like mega rich compared to us. So we have these tough choices in these neighborhoods to go, well, I don't want to be the poor kid. I don't want to wear pro wings. I mean, I don't even know if they exist anymore, but, you know, <laughs> I, I want to wear Nikes. And those Nikes cost $300. So I know this guy who knows this guy who, you know, and, and, and we get sacrificed all day, every day. And then that creates animosity against... You know, that Rasa that's gang bangered out, that looks like a cholo, walks like a cholo. Right off the bat, the cops are on you. Mm. They'll yeah. pull you over real quick, take yeah. everything you got. I'm sure, I'm sure my brother right here knows a lot about that. You oh, know, yeah, because they, um, today's police, you know, or throughout history, they work off um, with this thing, this thing called assumptions and preconceived notion. Right before their, right when they lay their eyes on you, they've already have uh, come up with their, idea on what they think you are what you're all about uh you're gang related you're gang affiliated look at this punk he's a thug he's probably done time this is their their assumption right even before before they even roll up on you they see you from a few feet when they're getting ready to roll up they already have this thought process about these about the you know about the rasa and blacks you know that were just thugs and this and that not even knowing and when they hit us up I, you know, I teach a lot of the people, you know, a lot of Ras out there that if a cop approaches you without probable cause, always ask him, so what kind, what crime do you suspect me of committing? The officer has to have reasonable, articulable suspicion that you were, that you have committed a crime. You're in the process of committing a crime. You're about to commit a crime. If he cannot articulate that and he's trying to hold you, 
um, it becomes an unlawful detainment. You do not have to identify yourself to the police if they're asking you for your identification, especially if they cannot prove that you've been involved in some type of crime, um, nor can they search you. You could always invoke your Fourth Amendment, which protects you from any unlawful search and seizure of your person. And these are your rights that you have to know when you're encountering these people that try to violate your rights. It's always, especially you're not breaking the law, you don't have to show them your ID. They cannot search you. They cannot detain you for more than 15 to 20 minutes or else it becomes an unlawful detainment. Some police officers will say, when, they, when they're trying to hem you up, they'll say, well, we got a call of a suspicious person. You might have a gun and this and that. And um, you could say, well, oh yeah, I'd like to get the incident number of that call so that I could um, go down to the pol police station and do a FOIA, a FOIA request on it request on it, which is a Freedom of Information Act request, which will give you the whole printout of the call that was made and who it came from and everything. Because uh, some people, sometimes they'll lie in order to try to get something on you, you know. That's such a, that's weird. Like, that's not a public servant. No. That's not a public servant. That's not Parents. a public servant. If you're going to lie, Maybe the, the officer that doesn't lie, who just goes, hey, look, you look suspicious. Okay, cool. Get out of here. That's mm -hmm. cool. Whatever. You're doing your job, right? But, but not to lie. Not to but lie. Even, I, right. You know, I want to go back to one point, though, of what you were saying earlier. You were saying that when a police officer takes, lays eyes on you, he already has this preconcept, preconception of what you are, right? Right. It's weird because I have sleeve tattoos. You know, I have a lot of tattoos on my, on my arms. And one time I got pulled over, I got dealt with. By the police, and they're already automatically asking me, "Where'd you get? What time did you do? Where did you do it?" I'm not. I've never been to jail. Um, what do you mean you never been to jail? Where'd you get all those tattoos? They're all this and that. They're all Aztec. Blah blah blah. I try to push some stuff on me, right? I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm look. Look at my record. I'm clean. I'm, I'm cooperating. Um, well, what else would you like to know? And he mm -hmm. just switched this flip like he flipped the switch right away and just said oh, all right he's cool oh, just you know turn, yeah. turn your signal whatever and i'll see you later but right. he came in hard he came in like i was already guilty and i did go to jail and i must be having something i must be having some sort of weapon or what but he but just because i had tattoos just because i right. had tattoos. that's you yeah, know sometimes they'll even come up and you know they'll even ask you the classic question or are you on parole or probation? Yeah, that you one. Know? And then uh, I've, I've flipped the switch on them. I flipped the, the switch on them, too. I told them, oh, are you under investigation through internal affairs for racial profiling against people of color, falsifying police reports, planning evidence, intimidation, Whoa. retaliatory Whoa. behavior? Shall wow. I continue? Yeah. <laughs> Cops you know? love it when you incriminate yourself. Right, yeah. Lucky? Yeah. 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 Lucky knows what to say so that they don't even say anything. You know, they, they can't come at you with, you know, it, when you start asking for things that they know are protocol to get information, like the, the report you asked for or whatever. Can you repeat what that is called again? The report? Oh, it's, called, it's called a FOIA request. Freedom FOIA of request. Information Act. Right. So when you know that and you go to their station, they get all scared. They're like, oh, shit. Yeah. What yeah, is he well, here for? What, what do you yeah, need? What? Sometimes they'll even say, what do you need it for? They get yeah. all nosy, all nosy yeah. about it, you know. It doesn't matter. But what they you shouldn't even ask you that question. No, right? it shouldn't. It's a freedom of information. Like you said that you pulled me over. I was mm -hmm. there for 45 minutes and you said it was because of this call. Well, this call mm -hmm. doesn't exist. So where's the call? He lied. That's yeah. not a public servant. 
that's not a public servant. And look that's what right. I, can I say one thing though about to the police officers who are in the crossroads of things? You can't be real warriors if you're not going to stand up for the people you love. Exactly. All right. You but good you know cops. That- you can't you know, be a true warrior if you don't stand up for the people you love. I just had to say that, brother. That's exactly. All. And the Supreme Court has ruled that that the police are not responsible for the safety of the citizens throughout the United States. The Supreme Court ruled that they are not responsible for our safety. As citizens of the United States, we are responsible for our own safety. Well, but that does not make sense. If they have the right to shoot and kill you and not go to jail for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. And then you're telling me that they're not there to protect me? Then what are they protecting? What are they protecting? That's something that we need to take our own, everyone just on your own self, start thinking, well, what are they protecting? I don't have the answer. We all have the answer collectively inside, right? We know the truth. The truth is the truth. Right. And, And brother, you know, points it out for us. Clearly, clearly he knows the truth and his um brave it's really brave what you do brother to confront police officers with information is not something i'm sure you know how it is in los angeles it's not the best environment when it comes to dealing with the upper class of the poverty you know the upper class which is police officers right they they're upper class they don't they can hurt you they can get away with it they can you know, there's no consequence. They're almost like a vaccine. You know right. I mean? <laughs> they fucking have no consequence, you know. Right. I would like to give a shout out to uh, San Joaquin Valley Transparency. This is a, a, a Chicano that goes out in the streets and uh, films the police. He's a cop watcher slash First Amendment auditor. And there's a lot of First Amendment auditors out there, cop watchers that are Raza, members of La Raza, uh, mm. of our people and, and other other races too that are that are spread out through the nation and they're popping up everywhere and they're out there educating citizens like yourself and others on your on your rights when dealing with members of law enforcement and that's what and, we need yeah you can go onto youtube and you could just uh type in cop watch mm-hmm. and then all these guys will pop up and you'll be surprised how many of them are rasa and there's even a guy from islos he calls himself islos audits and he's out there doing his things out there nice. thing out there in east l.a yeah yeah, Keeping no. the sheriff's department and the police in check. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, we need to protect ourselves, as you said. And if someone's going to come be a predator or come and harm us intentionally, then we have every right to uh, maneuver in whichever way we can. And this information is, is sometimes we just, they just take it for granted that you would take that extra step to find out what it is to protect yourself, right? Because we just fall in line with, get in the car, get your hands behind your back. You're going with me. And if you don't know your rights and if you don't know how to question that, they'll take you away. Yeah, exactly. And they'll That's book it. you Okay, but on some trumped up charges. Here, here, Here's what I, here's where I'm going to just take it and put a little bit of macro vision onto what we just said right there. What's the difference from that and the time they came on boats? There's mm-hmm. no difference. They're still stealing you. They're still stealing you. Nothing's changed. It's just gotten martyred. What do you think's changed? Nothing's changed. They're still robbing you. Exactly. They're robbing the children of 
like mom and dad they come oh where's jail oh stolen mm-hmm. stolen and there and some people are going to go and conservative people will come on here and say well they were doing drugs or they were doing this they were stolen man they were stolen right that's what they've been doing they just sophisticated the art they called it different things they changed the name right but it's still I, stolen right i have followers uh, many followers of the of the caucasian persuasion and uh they tell me all the time you know not all the time but once in a while they say you know what that's very uh sad that uh law enforcement that the police treat your people like that because they don't act like that in our communities you know they're the they're the hero that rescues the cat from the tree or helps the old lady cross the street. You know, they're the neighbor next door that says, uh, hey, how are you doing, Jim? I was at the Del Mar stables the other day. I watched your daughter ride. You know, she's quite the equestrian, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Very neighborly, very friendly. And in our neighborhoods, I told them in our neighborhoods, you know, if you don't know your rights, they're going to have you on the ground with a gun to your head or telling you if you move, I'm going to shoot you. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Yeah, no, it's very different. Well, here's the way I see it. When when you describe maybe a suburban neighborhood with nice neighbors who call on the cops when they need it, well, it's easy to call on people to protect land that was stolen, right? It's like we're all in the same cahoots, right? The cops, the, the landowner, they're in the same cahoots. We're protecting the stolen land we took from the natives. Nothing has changed. Nothing no. has changed nothing has changed it's the same thing when they came with boats and they put the fences up and they said now we're going to protect this square of land mm-hmm. or this fenced off area this is right. our and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and now it turned into neighborhoods and now the white people are living there comfortably and now they call on the cops to go protect mm-hmm. their fences mm-hmm. nothing has changed from when they first landed here the only thing that has changed is the ability to connect with our own mother and the great shift of 2012. That's what brings warriors back like brother, myself, and many, many, many others. Ever since I was a kid, I always thought that this world moved too fast for me. Even to this day, you know, it it just moves too fast. And um, there's a lot, I just feel like um, displaced here. You know, uh, many moons ago, my mother told me, she goes, you know, Mijo, she goes, uh, um, I think you have the, your body houses an, an old spirit that lived a long time ago oh. and, you're, and you're back here for some reason, you know, and it's very hard for you. And I, because I used to complain a lot. I used to tell her this, I don't like this place, mom. I don't like it. I don't like this life here. It moved, this world moves too fast. She goes, it's because your soul, you have an old soul, mm. you know, and, and but you have to serve your your purpose here you have a purpose that's why you're here you know and i look at that you know as being an older adult you know and i still think the same way my wife you know she hears it from me i don't just moves too fast cars everything everything moves too fast mm. you know but i'm here and i got to do what i got to do in order to help my people and it shows it shows your heart shows brother yeah you a lot of people a lot of people feel like when i say your heart shows when i say your heart shows it means that you're not afraid to wear the jewelry you wear you're not afraid to um represent a dead culture mm-hmm. right you're not afraid to say i am this because that's what they wanted 
They wanted us to completely do what your friend did, except, you know, a hundred years from now was him saying, I don't want to be native. I don't want to be thrown in a reservation. I don't want to be taken advantage of, mm. but it just hit the next life became Mexican because yeah. of the rape. So now he doesn't want to be Mexican. Exactly. He doesn't want to, and he's turning away from his own self. And then he meets the brother like yourself who doesn't, he doesn't turn away from himself, mm. embraces it. Yeah. Anybody who challenges, even if you have a badge, even if you have a uniform, mm. that's you, my brother. I'm so happy to meet you. So I want to ask you, a, Thank you brother. I want to ask you a question, Zero. Like Yo. you growing up in East LA, in the yeah. hood, in the Vadio, Boyle Heights, out of all places, mm. how were you able to stray away from the quote unquote gang lifestyle? Music. Music. Music saved my life. Music saved my life and the epiphanies that brother was explaining. The, the not wanting to conform to killing our own people. No way. Exactly. No way. Never. That was such a That was not even a... And, and, and I'm not trying to say that others that, that made that decision and, and stuff like that. Everybody's circumstance is different, but I too feel like my brother right here that I have a a soul that that dances through lifetimes. Hmm. You know, we dance through lifetimes. It takes us a while to get the hang of it. But once we get our age to the age that we are, we're solid, we're rooted, hmm. we're focused, and we share and we help others. So true you, warriors help the people they love. So Zero, did, did you have homies or friends that you were close with back in the day that were all about the gang life? Yes. And you didn't discriminate against them. No. You, you still hung out with them. Absolutely. And, and then what was their response? I knew the duck around them. I knew every time, like, every time <laughs> I, it was, I was hella slow, I knew to walk away. But So how no. about how about you, Lucky? Um, in, in your youthful days, um, what were your circumstances when it came to, you know, um, the gang culture? The same, pretty much the same. Uh, one of my sisters, I have, I have four sisters. One of my sisters got into the into the gang life real heavy. I mean, she was like no nonsense homegirl. She was hardcore. Mm. And um, so her homeboys were like family to us. They're always at the house. Um, every once in a while they would drop off because they would get killed or end up going to prison or something, you know. And um, I always saw that as nonsense, man. I was like, what the heck's going on with these people? Most beautiful people to me in my heart and and. And my soul, La Raza is the most beautiful people on Mother Earth. Mm. The the cultura and the, everything, the art, the food, the the camaraderie, everything, you know, mm. and beautiful. And it didn't make any sense to me for them to be behaving the, the way that they are. I have like this Emiliano Zapata mentality where I believe right now to this day that anyone that is Rasa that makes war against their own people is straight out committing the act of treason. You're a traitor to your people. Straight out, there's no ifs, ands, buts about it. There's no sugarcoating it when it comes from me. You're a traitor to your people. Especially nowadays when you're seeing all the stuff that's going on with the racism and stuff and you're still continuing perpetuating that gang banging life, you are committing treason against your own people you are committing the act of treason you should not call yourself rasa you should not fly 
the the green, white, and red with the brown eagle destroying the serpent while perched on a cactus in the middle of a lake. You do, you do not deserve it. And if you continue to fly these colors, the colors that you fly are nothing more than toilet paper that I use to wipe my ass because that is not the example of true Rasaism. That is not killing your own people over something that you could never buy, sell, nor own does not make sense. If you continue to, with that behavior, you're a traitor to your people. Straight out traitor. That's how I think about it. That's that's coming from the heart. Because you know what? I grew up around all of this stuff. I never I grew up around all of this. Never ever participated in it because I saw the bigger picture. Rasa against Rasa? That's fucking bullshit. Mm -hmm. I ain't doing that. I ain't with that program. Fuck that. I'm gonna stick to my native guns. And I stuck to my native gun guns since I was a youngster till now. And some of my best compadres they're in and out of prison have played the, the whole gangbang role, the gang life and everything like that. But they know me and they respect me for my point of view, you know. But that's how it is. We definitely you know? need unity and we need a different perspective when it comes to our community. Right. That perspective has to be solid and rooted. And, exactly. and the times of manipulation and, and look, I, I, when, I, when I talk about prison or jail, I could just, for some reason, my spirit understands what it was like uh, 50, 60, 70 years jail before, right? Maybe mm -hmm. 100 years jail before. Like, I just feel like I know nothing much has changed if you look at it through common sense, right? Through common sense, you'll understand that when people are robbed from their loved ones and put into cages and put in with other individuals who maybe didn't have anything, that mixture creates chaos, but a chaos of self-hatred and a hopelessness that becomes violent. This is a scientific project that they've been working on for hundreds of years. This isn't new. It just got more sophisticated. But guess exactly. what? But guess what? Maybe you're a genius at that. White man, colonizer, oppressor. Mm -hmm elite maybe you're a genius at that privileged but you're not a genius at creating societies you're not a genius at creating food that is profound and will heal you you're not a genius at communicating with the with the creator itself mother earth and father sky you're not a genius at that mm -hmm. so it's crumbling right in front of your face it is crumbling i've noticed that and there's a lot of civil unrest and there's it's all coming to the surface and i think that um i think the death of uh george floyd behind his circumstances helped to bring that even more to the forefront and we could talk about or people could talk about his um his behavior and what he's done when he was alive and some of the mistakes that he made but as a black man being murdered by a white police officer you know that just, just that just made a you big know, ripple effect. For me, you know, obviously, yeah, George Floyd during the pandemic and all the racism going on. But there was there was a death to me that was very, very important that led up to everything that's happening now. And I'm going to name it. That death of Dr. Sabi was huge during this time mm. because he knew he went to court and they were trying to put him in jail because he was saying, oh, you can't cure cancer. There's no cure for cancer. There's no cure for AIDS. There's no cure for these diseases that you're supposedly curing. 
there's no cure. So he went, they went through the trials. I, I don't know if you know the story of Dr. Sabi, but they went through the trials. He wins the case, right? Because he goes, look, all they have to do is change their diet and stop doing this and stop doing that. And the body will heal itself. Well, we're in a situation now where people are questioning health and just going, oh, just give it to me. It's like almost a new version of reality, right? Because you can't, you can no longer have control of healing yourself. And when you take out the one dude that could tell you that you can heal yourself and then create this sickness and rules and law and all this other stuff that go along with everything we're talking about, because people are getting arrested for being against the grain. You know, we try not to be too specific, but you know what, what situation I'm talking about. But those key deaths, that one, George Floyd, all these things just come together and they create this big mess, right? Mm -hmm. A genius colonizer knowing how to build his own trash can and living mm -hmm. in it, you know? That's it. That's the way I look at their societies is just a big giant dump. Yo, I'm just tripping out on this conversation here, Zero, because I remember when I was a teenager, you know, I thought it was cool to be part of a gang or have friends that were part of a gang or know someone that was part of a gang, right? And I was always caught up in that life trying to, you know, hang out with the cool people and shit. And it wasn't until I I played I think it was the black and red ink mm. where like literally verbatim all these topics that we're talking about you were just spilling your guts on mm -hmm. on your production with, with victory's lyrics and then mm -hmm. the jaguar prophecies even more mind-blowing mm. to to let me know as a youth that there is another side don't oh. don't let them yeah brainwash you yeah no, Hollywood plays a big role. In what you know, we, your, in your projects were the first projects to let me know, like, why are we killing each other? Well, Hollywood plays a big role in our perception. Mm. It trains us. It trains us. These movies train us, right? We go, oh, look, they survive in jail. It's not that bad. And then you go to real jail and you're like, fuck, this place is fucking a howhole. Mm. It, it, it wasn't like that in the movies. It glamorizes it. They glamorized, they made it look like, yeah, that guy, you look at how easy he gets away from the cops. Mm -hmm. But try to get away from the cops for reals, they'll shut down the whole block. They'll put yeah. fucking 900 fucking cops. It's not like the movies. Yeah, getting it's shot like, in the leg and still running. Yeah, all that bullshit. It's like, yeah, yeah oh, yeah, just get out. I could outrun the helicopter. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. There's no outrunning a helicopter. You're gone. Mm -hmm. you're, you're caught. And that's where I think your work is precious, my brother. Informing youth to know that there is a different road, that this Hollywood glamorized version of gangster, right? You know, that, that you know what really killed it? They scar-faced our race. That's what happened. <laughs> they scar-faced our race. Mm. Look who did it. Look who did it, Armando. Who scar-faced our race? Al Pacino, an Italian. Mm. An Italian? convinced us to be the dopest gangster in the world because he was Cuban. Mm. A white actor. Mm. Mind-blowing. Absolutely. Mind-blowing. Mm. That's why we get caught up in fucking jail. That's why we go, oh, yeah, look at all the coke I have. Look at all the, oh, blah, blah, fuck, everybody's in there. Now you're in jail forever. Mm. What happened to Scarface? Don't believe Hollywood. No. It's a lie. 
It's all a lie. It's a big fairy tale. Big time. Yeah. So, uh, Lucky, I, I want to ask you, what, you know, when you first jumped on Instagram. Right. right? Um, and to where your page is at now, man, it's a very influential pl- uh, page, brother. I love it. It's, it. it's a delicate page for me because mm. it's like, you know, your page is the truth. <laughs> Two tears. I don't really um, th- thank you for, you know, for saying that, because sometimes I don't even trip on that, man. I, I, I really don't. I mean, it's humbling, you know, to, you know, for someone, you know, for people to tell me these things, you know, because people say, you know, people say you're an inspiration or or love your words. Your words are powerful. And I don't really I don't really dwell or think about that. I just I have something in my head and boom, I'll just put it out there and hopefully somebody will get something from it, something out of it. Hmm. Well, that's the way all great speakers are. You know, they just follow their heart. You know, some we get confused that we think that all the answers are in the mind, and they're not. They're not mm. in the mind. They're in your blood. Mm. Your blood creates a feeling. That feeling goes into your throat, and your mind translates what it needs to say. Right. But it comes from here. It's a feeling. It has no words. It just is this intention, this deep, profound love that I feel these ancient warrior spirits have. They know to look into the beauty of a child, hold them and feel their innocence and know that that innocence needs to be protected, guided, loved, and not lied to. And we haven't experienced that for 500 years. Right. That's not, yeah. you know, Zero, you had mentioned, you know, that the Conejo crowd is not your crowd. Mm. But I noticed. It's not that, my usual crowd. Right. It's but, my crowd. But, but I but noticed. it's not my usual crowd. But I noticed that you get pumped to oh, perform in front it. of that crowd. Oh, I love it. Because I would think the whole goal is to at least get a couple cats to actually hear you. And for them to wake up. Well, they all hear me. And that's what Lucky Two Tears does. Yeah. They all hear me, though. They all hear me. That's just coming out of the big ass system. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. they're hearing me. You know, it's, if, are they afraid to look into their own mirror and go, I'm a great person? It's hard to, those individuals don't do the stand in front of a mirror and just look at yourself and see what mind thoughts go into your mind while you look at yourself. That's an ancient teaching, right? They and don't I, do that. And, and, but and, when I go on stage, wait, real quick. But when I go on stage, that happens, I believe. They look at themselves and they go, wow, for a second, that was brilliant. They're saying, wow, I really liked your music. No, they liked what they felt in their heart. And all they felt was themselves. Because I wasn't in their body. You understand how it works? That's the mirror that we're talking about, that the ancients talked about. But it's a good practice to stand in front of a mirror and look at yourself and see what thoughts come out. And if you don't like those thoughts, then work on changing them. That's how we fix ourselves. So what's your answer to a kid that goes up to you and tells you, well, I'm a product of my environment. You know that term? I think you're lazy. I think you're being lazy. If you're going to claim that you're a product of your environment. I think it's a cop out. I think it's a poor excuse. Yeah. It's being lazy. Yeah. Be thriving. 
they didn't say that to Le- LeBron James. I mean, LeBron James fucking became a mega superstar. He came from a shitty environment. I'm a, mm-hmm. Was he a product of his environment? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, he's great. Your environment's great. You live on a beautiful earth that's so blue and gives water and gives the right fruits and has beautiful animals all around you. And yeah, you are a product of your environment. But if you think that your environment is the city that has streets, corrupt officials, people who don't care about your safety, I don't know about, you know, I question that. What do you feel, brother? Me? Yeah. I feel the same way. I'm right on right on point with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we're, you know, I feel like I, when I see your post, brother, I was like, man, this brother's strong. This brother's really strong. Even, just even just your pictures, bro. Really. I mean, I was like, man, I love the way he just rooted himself. And it just seems like you cannot be pushed over by anything or anyone. And that's mm-hmm. beautiful. And that's the way we all need to be. So thank you, brother. There, there's a comment here that someone brought up about the uh, zoot suit mm. Mm. Uh, society back in the day. Mm. How at one point they would try to categorize that as like what gangsters. Well, what you know the story of because that, that was before. Do you want to tell the story? Do you know the story of the zoot suiters and stuff like that, brother? No, not too much. No. Well, this is what I know. Okay. There was a port in Long Beach that had Navy sailors. They would port there back in the day in the 40s. And they would get drunk and drive into East L.A., Boyle Heights area, and look at all the funny Mexicans who were trying to dress like the people, the black people during the time, the jazz clubs and all that stuff. But they did their own flair. They put a feather. They made it bigger. they, They did their own thing. Mm. And these sailors thought that that was funny. So you know what they used to do? They used to go beat them up and take their clothes off and make them walk home naked. Yeah. Yeah, they used to, I don't want to say it, but maybe rape the women too. Yeah, I saw the Sleepy Lagoon uh, documentary. Yeah, Yeah. it was horrible. They they would go and this was the fun thing to do. Let's drive around East LA and pick on the Zoot Zooters. Until they all said, fuck yeah, come on, let's go. Homies, they're here. Let's go. And then they started getting into fights and losing fights. And then they started crying and the police got involved. And that was a major riot. We stood up for ourselves. And they didn't like that. They didn't like that we would band together and take care of ourselves. So they had to corrupt it. Oh, you want to take care of yourselves? Okay, well, we're going to build this big old building and we're going to put all of you in it. And that's when they started arresting people, kids, 10-year-old guys, you know, 10-year-old kids, because someone over there was drinking. You're with them. Come on, you get out of here. I'm going to bring in a brother who's, who did his um, PhD on the incarceration culture. Mm how we became the incarceration culture. We started having too many kids in Los Angeles. So they needed to recruit racist cops. And they promised them houses and bonuses and 
because we need to get round up these guys. And what ended up happening is a prison culture. When I grew up, there was a brother that was in my neighborhood. It was all, I'm on vacation. Well, you're on vacation? What are you talking about? Yeah, I'm on vacation. What are you talking about, bro? Yeah, I'll, I'll be going back to prison, home. He thought home was prison. And that the outside world was vacation. <laughs> That's prison culture. Did he rap? No, this is... <laughs> 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 this is prior to Scarfacing our race, but that that's those are the experiences that I have where they, they we have a culture where we think So so can I ask you why do the major music industries and these labels glorify the gangster lifestyle and the culture and they kind of just sign these mega deals with these rappers just continuing to move forward with that garbage? Because it sells, it's entertaining and and it brings money and they buy stocks in the prisons. Those same executive record industry people. It's genius for them, right? Fucking buy the same stock of the privately owned prison and you can buy stock. And then the more we fill it up, the more we get money. And yeah, put out that guy. He, yeah, he, he's really bad. Let's put him on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that fool is fucking really dangerous. Let's, let's put him. Let's make him the best hip-hop artists give him five million dollars you give anybody five million dollars to promote a record they're going to be a hit so it's it's there's a system to this but again if we if if we just say if we cop out like brother put it out there and say well i'm just a product of my environment Mm -mm. okay if we're going to take that statement we're a product of the environment then be the product of tonansin right be the product of tonatu that's exactly. your environment. That's your environment. And I know the brother right there, he just agreed with me. That's right. You know, hopefully one day when when we could plan out maybe a little workshop and bring Lucky out to the Manalani Superfoods. Absolutely. And, you know, I would love to, Ooh, to see man, him live. To I would have, love to see him live. To, to have like maybe a, 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 a rights workshop, you know, like know your rights against police officers, know what oh, to say, know how to say it, right. you know. Some sort of that type of curriculum, you know, not not to be, um, li- li- we have to be also be have to be very careful because you know we don't want to have these young kids go out there and think that they're doing something that you really put your time into knowing what brother has because you're not just coming off the cuff. I know you've studied no. extensively. Yeah, and, you have to talk a little bit about that. How deep do you have to go so that you know these things? Because I didn't well, know you could go to the police op- the police station and, and quote what you said. So I'm sure that you've done massive, massive hours of investigation. Yeah, you could, you could even do FOIA requests on their body cam footage, too, wow. for your own personal use. And you could also do FOIA requests on their entire work history, hmm. uh, their salary, um, how many people they've arrested, how many people they've shot, you know, in the wow. line of duty. A lot of this is listed on there you know and um and that's public public record you have the right to to know this because they're because they're public servants they they are employed to serve our communities as public servants you know so when they when you think that they're slipping up or they made a mistake or whatever just say okay let's go to the police station and i'll just find out what you're all about right you know can i ask you lucky um are the body cams your friend? 
is that something that someone like a, a, a youngster could feel like, look, at least I'm, I'm being filmed? Because sometimes these cops could care less that they're wearing a, bo a body cam, right? Yeah, and sometimes they'll, re, um, how do you say, redacted or something like that. They'll um, purposely erase, erase the footage or they'll claim that it was lost or something like that. That's why it's so important for us to film them. Mm. So I guess shit was getting so bad. There were so many of these liars and and pieces of shits in the law enforcement. So they had to roll out body cams. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, like like Lucky said, that there, there, there's always a way to protect yourself, and and you have to just have tools around you, have the heart of steel, you know, have deep deep roots to defend yourself, because that's what something somebody. Back in the day, like just picture like stagecoach and back in the day, the sheriff with his little tin fucking thing. And he was out there and he goes into your ranch and says, well, you know what? You stole the shit. I'm taking you. You got to learn to protect yourself. You're not right. taking me. I have rights. What are you talking about? Get off my land. You know, it's just like the way they, they explain it. Get off my land. Well, we have a comment here. Someone says that basically there's a difference between a cop and a pig. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's true. Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's, you know, there's someone who has normal health and someone who has psychosis, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. look, just don't get the humanity. I, I can only say it this way. Don't let a uniform strip you of your humanity. Exactly. Don't let a uniform strip you of your humanity. No matter what the captain says, no matter what the mayor says, no matter what the governor says, no matter what the president says. Right. Don't let a uniform strip your humanity because you're the one that pays for that consequence. You think those rich elites feel bad? No, you killed them. They're going to say, that guy killed them, not me. Yeah, I gave the order, but I didn't pull the trigger. So then you're responsible for that death. Now that death is on your hands and they can care less. That's what makes it a brilliant system for these elites. Is that their hands are clean, supposedly, and they're washed of everything, right? I didn't do it. Oh, and uh, I just want to update you. Bud Green, the, the individual in the chat that mentioned the difference between cops and pigs, that's uh, that, it's, it's Danahawk. It's, it's Daniel. Oh, Daniel. <laughs> What's up, Daniel? <laughs> Daniel. Missy, bro. Yeah. That's you know, my brother. He's from the Bay Area, too. You You're know, from the Bay Area, right? Who, me? Yeah. I live down in the... San Diego area. Oh, San Diego. I'm sorry. I thought you said Bay Area. No. Look, when 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 I was growing up as a kid, my father. He, he was always telling me like, look. When when cops pull you over, do exactly, what you're told mm. to do. Mm -hmm. I, no. I, I I, I rebelled against that, bro. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, it's hard to give away your humanity like that. It's kind of hard to just go. And like to this day, whenever I get pulled over, I, I, I get scared. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. you should be. You should be scared. A predator has caught you by the foot and there's a 50 50 chance you're going to walk away from that. Yeah, you got to make sure that they have a legitimate reason for stopping you. If, if it's yeah. a minor if it's a minor traffic infraction and they approach your window, um, you don't have to roll your window down all the way for one you can keep it like um maybe like a couple inches like this mm -hmm. in order for you to hand them the proper documents and um 
keep your your um, your answers to the question very at a at a minimum. Right. If they're if they're you know you hand them everything that they need. Okay, I pulled you over for a busted tail light. Okay, um, can I see your license registration? Everything. Okay, you hand it to them through the window like this, and they say, okay, say, where are you coming from and where are you going? That's none of their business. They don't need to know that. Um, so is this uh, so is this where you live? Is this your name right here? Uh, excuse me, officer. Everything that I gave you, everything that I gave you, is right there. All the information you need is right there. I'm not going to answer any any questions. Mm. You have the right to tell them. You know, I don't answer questions. All the your information is right there. Mm. And number two, if you have a passenger with you, some cops will try to question the passenger. By law, their scope of authority begins and ends with the driver and the driver only. They have no business to question passenger or passengers in the mm. vehicle, especially if it's not a felony type stop, just a minor minor infraction. But they will try to they'll try to question the passengers. They'll try to pull you from the vehicle. They'll try to search it. If you don't know your rights, they'll get away with all kinds of stuff. Mm. Just on just on a minor traffic infraction. Well, yeah, they feel like you don't have any rights. Yeah. Like I said, you're, you're on the lower class of echelon, right? Because you're immediately guilty. Like you, you, you explained the police officer stop process to a T. You're already right. guilty. I already have you. Kind of like back in the days of stagecoach. I already have you in my possession. You know, I'm going to get my $5 for your head. Yep. And record the stop. Always you have the right to record. You know, uh, there's a penal code. It's PC 148 G, which gives a citizen the right to record and or take pictures of well, record is mostly most important thing to record the police while in the course of their duties. Mm. PC 148 subsection G and the First Amendment of the Constitution would give you the right to to film the police. Wow. Yeah. All this is good information. And I would love to have them come down and do like a you know, know your rights kind of workshop, you know, we can work that out. And um, this is amazing talking to you, brother. You have a heart of the ancestors, man, and you you know your stuff. And I'm glad that you're sharing that information with our Alley Natives community in a good way. We're not here to try to start riots and stuff. We're here to just no. know and defend ourselves in a good way because we're not, we're not violent people, but we will protect ourselves. Exactly. That's all I could really say, you know, we're not violent. We don't come to oppress. We don't come to take ownership of you. All the, the way they feel, right? They feel they could do that. Right. As I as I as I grown into the movement, uh, few when I hit my twenties, I I was trying to think of an idea. What can I do in order to take the message to the streets uh, regarding my feelings on Rasa killing Rasa? So in 1996, I came up with this this idea. Maybe I should um, maybe I should do a walk, like a, a peace walk, through the different neighborhoods, promoting to promote barrio unity. You know. Mm. So in in November of 1996, Dia de los Muertos, uh, me and a few other individuals, we just we just picked up these uh, uh, Mexican flags, and we started from the Chicano Park in Barrio Logan. But you guys are familiar with Chicano Park, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. We started in the Chicano Park area and we trekked through the brown neighborhoods of Southeast San Diego International City. Every Sunday for 17 years, we did this activity called the Barrio Unity Walk. Wow. So 
we carried these flags. A lot of people, you know, people would ask, well, what's the purpose of the Mexican flag? This is America, this is this and that, you know. Even the cops would ask, what's the purpose of the flag? You know, and I explained to them that the purpose of the flag is to, the Mexican flag is, is a tool that we use to promote unity between the warring factions. So if they're going to respect anything when you're trekking through their neighborhoods, they're going to respect those colors because it represents them mm. as a whole, you know. So with the unity walk, we were, I was really successful with that walk. I didn't have any, never had any static with the homeboys from the different neighborhoods. Never. If anything, uh, if there was anything, it was trying, it was, uh, it was the police trying to undermine the the activity, the walk. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were on these walks, and I want to hear it from you, Lucky, you know, when, when you bump into a kid mm-hmm. from the barrio, you, you already could tell he's running, you know, on the wrong path. Right. You know, in, in a few words, like when you pull him to the side and you try to talk to him, you know, what would you tell this kid? Pretty much just tell him how important it is for him to to live his life as um, in the ways of the true meaning of uh, Chicanoism or Mexicanoism, you know, not what he sees around himself, all the negativity and everything, you know, for him to stand up on his own. When I would get approached by youngsters, it was always because, oh, I really like what you do, man. You're representing us and this and that. And then I just go off of that, you know, just tell them, see, you see what I'm doing? You could do the same thing by, you know, staying in school. Education is so important for La Raza. You know, education is the key, you know, and um, we have to. Well, why? Why is education the key? Why should I stay in school? Because we have to learn. We have to know and learn how our oppressors think. You know, that's how we, that's how our, that's how we gain that upper hand, is when we have the same intellect. Our best defense is having the same intellect as them. Huh. You know. How about you, Zero? You know, you're in East LA. You're you're in Boyle Heights, out of all cities. I know you run into a, a lot of youngsters. Mm-hmm. For example, you know, there was a, a apparently a situation going down near the shop. I don't want to talk about it, but you know, it was it, it, it's, it's real. Intense. It's real. <laughs> We're not in the Yeah, nice I don't want to talk about it, but man, Zero, it was it, we're not in you, the nice You know what I'm talking about. I, know, it just, exactly. I was shook. I was just like, yo, are you serious? And it's a youngster. Yeah. Possibly yeah. a minor. Yeah. You know, you know? W- w- what he's talking about, brother, Lucky, is that we uh, my shop's on Whitter Boulevard. Mm. Right. And I don't know if you know about Whitter Boulevard, but that's the cruising central, right? Yeah, I've been through there. Yeah, and with, with social media being what it is, it became super popular. Like people from far come to Whittier Boulevard on Saturday and Sunday and they go show off their cars and they stay, they have their own group, you know. And so I could tell that this individual was not from around there because he, you know, he came out, he jumped out and he tried to, you know, flex, right? Mm-hmm. The way everyone flexes. But people in East L.A. don't do that. They don't pop out of cars and flex. They're, if they're going to pop out of a car, they're going to do something bad. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just knew that this brother wasn't from around there. And so it's real that we buy into this fake thug gladiator European version of tough. Tough is what Lucky does. Tough is going into neighborhoods with no fear saying we're all one people. Exactly. That to me is tough. Not scaring people with the toy that you're afraid to use yourself 
if you know what I mean. Right. You can brandish any kind of harmful, you know, tool that people use to hurt each other. But true warriors will go in there with no arms, go into difficult neighborhoods with no weapons, and claim peace. That's tough. That's warriors. That that's that to me is honorable and respectable. And uh, not to say that kids having a hard time and you know finding their road in life and they feel misdirected or feel some sort of security with a toy that was invented by an oppressor elite to hurt your own people. Those are the things that we need to question. That's what I would, this is the type of conversation I would be having with this individual. Like, why would you want to hurt your own people? I have no gun, man. How does that make you feel tougher than me when I don't even have a gun and you do? That's not tough. That's, that's, that's like a Spaniard going with a big old sword and a native that has nothing. And he feels dominant. Mm -hmm. That's not dominance. That's psychotic. Yeah. I'm just putting a different perspective in people's ears and in their eyes. If there's anyone watching this, add a comment into the YouTube channel and, and tell us your experiences with law enforcement. Or if you were a quote-unquote gangbanger or running with the wrong crowd, how did you transition out? Anyone watching this, anyone hearing this, go ahead and chime in, add into the comment section. Absolutely. You know, we we want to hear from you guys. All everyone has a, good everyone question has a story. All voices are important. Oh, yeah. All voices are important. From all perspectives. Yeah. We, yeah. we understand. Like, I know Lucky and I, we have an understanding for Rasa or people that are having a hard time in life. We don't just condemn, you know. We have to have compassion. We have to be... The greatest warriors, they say, would, would walk into the battlefield not fearing their death, right. but embracing it, looking forward to it, not in an ego way, but your heart keeps you on this earth as long as you need to be. Exactly. You know, some people, you know, some people ask me, and they say, you know, you're, you're all into your, your tribe, you know, the, the whole native Yaki thing, you know, and. Uh, but what is this, you know, what is this, what draws you to La Raza, you know, to help La Raza? I go, first of all, first of all, I'm Yaki. We're the ones who, if you know anything about our history, we're the ones who fought alongside of the, the Mexicans during their little revolutions, you know? So uh, we're talking about many moons later, 2021, and here's a Yaki still riding alongside of La Raza, trying to help La Raza any way I can, you know? But at the same time, I keep my, I'm there for La Raza, but I keep my distance, you know, oh. because I have, I have my own beliefs. I have my own ceremony. I have my own circle, my sacred hoop, you know, like my, like my sister, Claudia Crotoc and, and others that we just, we gather and we smudge and, and we pray and which is a whole different trip than, than La Raza, you know, it's like a different level of, of, um, of culture you know, with uh, with the full-blown uh, natives and the way that we 
commune with Mother Earth and, and Father Sky and Brother Moon and everything like that. It's a whole different trip. It blows people's minds, and that's why we just keep it to, we keep our circle tight. But at the same time, I walk away from that in order to see what I can do for La Raza or, or how I could help the Raza, um, you know, become more self-reliant and, and more positive, you know. Well, I think it comes from turning away from colonial answers. Right. You know, what, what you just described that your inner circle does is what La Raza has always done, but they do mm. it in private or they do it in their own way. Mm. No one can tell me here that when you're Catholic, all those ritual stuff that they do as a Catholic, like I'm talking about like the jefitas, the old, you know, the old mm. abuelas, they come into the Malinali shop all the time. Mm. And I'm turning them on to plant-based food. and But I don't try to question their belief system. Right. But what I'm trying to point out is that they just transferred that energy into that. It's still very much the same as smudging down, giving thanks to the earth, giving thanks to this. It's very similar. They had to, they couldn't just take that away from us because we would fight to the death to continue to do our rituals. Right. So they just have to change them. It's like, these people aren't listening. So let's make this Virgin Mary. Her. Mm. You know, it's like they just invent things so that we can continue to ritualize these things because we are very ritualistic people. My mm -hmm. my mother-in-law just, you know, I'm over here at the sacred church and I'm praying for your relationship and I'm praying for your family and I'm praying for your... They're very ritualistic people. Mm -hmm. We are very ritualistic people. And I think, Brother brother Lucky, we need to bring that ritualism, the, the sacred, the righteous ones, were the ones that we're not afraid anymore to do it. Because mm. back in 100 years from now, you would get really seriously hurt yeah. trying to do that stuff, right? And it wasn't until the 70s where they released the sweat lodge. Right. The 70s. The 70s, my friend. It wow. wasn't that long ago where they started letting us practice our own rituals. Uh, wow. Before that, it was against the law. Wow. The 70s. This is, this is where we're at. We need to bring back our truth. What is our power? Our power is our connection with Mama Tonansi. Our power is the connection with the animals that fly into those trees. Our connection mm -hmm. is with the hummingbirds that fly across our, our path. Those are real powerful things. But the white man said, nah, that's just an animal. He's separate from you. Right. This, this Mother Earth is separate from you. Mm -hmm. No, it's not. It's never been separate from me. 500 years ago, you tried to convince me that it was separate from me. And now 2021, and I'm still trying to tell you it's not separate from me. That's the way I feel. So we have a few questions for you, um, Lucky. The chat is going wild. I really appreciate everyone engaging and Absolutely, commenting. We got Heron asking you a question, Lucky. He, he's, <laughs> he's asking you, um, how do you feel about the AMLO giving back to the Yaqui people in Mexico? How are you going to give back something that we've always had? <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Great answer. Yeah. You know, because some, there's some people that will say, you know, they have that mentality that natives, you know, how come you're not on the reservation? How come you don't live on the res? Or, and um, I said, you know what? This is our land, man. This is Turtle Island. You know, everywhere we step is our land. Everywhere we stand is our land from the barrios of East Los to Bedford Stuy to 
to um, down there in Florida and into Mexico. It's our, it's our land. This is, it just has been given different names and borders and, and, you know, and the reservation is just, to me, is just some type of uh, um, oppressive concentration camp, mm-hmm. you know, this is our land everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that answer. Yeah. I love that answer. Why should I feel happy about something they never should they never possessed anyways? Right? Yeah. You know, if you make a if you make a a, a man's uh, I shouldn't even say man. If you make an agreement with a community and break that agreement, then your contract is null and void. You own nothing. Right. You own nothing. And you've broken every single treaty. Every single treaty was just like fake. You didn't have any intention to follow it. Right. You didn't have any intention to follow it. That right. is just. So then, in my opinion, I feel like Lucky does. You own nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you may say, you may have papers, mm-hmm. right? Written down words on papers. Right. But that doesn't mean you own anything. Right. Only people that agree with that paper say that you own it. Only people that agree. And that person usually is a judge that's on your side. Because you're following their system. See, Lucky's not following their system. He's not. He's saying, your contracts are void with me. Your agreements are void with me. Your great-great-grandfather said something and he didn't follow through. So you you don't have any voice with me. And I'm going to step on a Nawak. Mm. On Turtle Island, wherever, whenever, however, I feel because my connection is deeper than your paperwork. Exactly. Good one. I like that. That's the way I feel about you, brother. I just described you. Thank you. You walk on this earth. So Daniel Bud Green says um, Mexican means you have a belly button. We came out of our mother not our father absolutely our mother earth is the main main principle respect love honor connection never separate from that beautiful beautiful being that we call mother earth yeah as a child i've always believed and no one's ever taught me about spirituality or religion or anything like that i just there's just some things i just know to be fact, hopefully, you know, um, growing up, I've always pictured or thought of God or the creator as woman, because people are always painting God as being a male entity or spirit or whatever, you know, this creator being man. I always thought of the creator. How can, how can someone, how can man create life? Only woman can create life. Man cannot create life. Only woman can give birth to everything. And to me, I believe that the great spirit is woman and she gave birth to everything that exists. I believe I, you know, I love paying respects to um, the women because they've suffered so much and they're so fragile and delicate and they're so precious. But when you give a woman an ability to have voice, when you give, and then what I mean is by breaking the patriarchal understanding that you have grown up with, 
right? I was just talking to the to um, some abuelas that come to our our shop, and they were they were saying, "Ah, oh, that that's interesting that you decided to think that way, because not most most men don't think that way. They think that we should be quiet and listen to what the man has to say, and and that's not what you're describing, Lucky. You're describing mm -hmm. the opposite of that." Sometimes you have to listen, even though it's hard to listen to a woman and, and she calls you out on her truth and, and you have to humbly stay there and, and, and break the patriarchal understanding that you know more. And sometimes it leads to enlightening, but what it really leads to is true love because you're humbled to your partner's experience. And the, the one lady that was in there today, the abuela that was in there today, she was, that's what we live for. Us women, we live for that connection. That male and female connection. If we can go back to that and protect that with all of our life and our heart, then our community will change. We got Zero Velvu. We got the one and only, the legend himself, Lucky Two Tears Morales, man. Everyone follow him on Instagram. Please. Um, he's such a powerful influencer in this yeah. community and, and he knows his movement. rights and he knows his rights and he has beautiful words for our community right oh, thank you brother yeah you can get at me on my instagram at uh lucky underscore two tears l-u-c-k-y underscore t-e-a-r-s absolutely brother underscore the number two t-e-a-r-s t-e-a-r-s lucky underscore two tears yes lucky i, I just want to thank you for for supporting this podcast i know you've been following us for for a good minute and and you engage and and you see the work that we do here man it just it means so much to get uh the attention from someone like yourself bro like a real one right zero absolutely i know there's oh, I, like, oh, I dig what you guys are doing i love your show you know your your whole vibe what you got going on what you're trying to do for for the um our people of indigenous roots and blood mm. and i dig that you know i try to to me, I try to follow the best of the best right back. And um, if you notice, I'm always tagging you. Yes. With, um, yeah. Yes. Yes. We appreciate that. We appreciate that because it just shows solidarity that our yeah. message is the same. You know, sticking up for indigenous people. We're not going to be pushed around anymore. No. No. That's enough. Nope. And enough killing each other. I just yeah, showed you that video, right, of, yeah. of this woman in, in, in Riverside, this teacher. I don't know. There's a video going around. Uh, going viral of this lady just absolutely making a mockery of her of herself well she just doesn't understand the pain that comes with it man like oh are you talking about that uh that teacher in the classroom yes, yes. yeah yeah that's that's ridiculous right there how can she even do behave like that in front of the kids it's just it like they she's don't, they, don't they don't understand the trauma that comes with that yeah she looked like she hadn't taken her medication or something that morning <laughs> or whatever you know, yeah. even to behave like that, it's I could see if she put on the feathers and just said like a couple, two, three, you know, a couple things here and there. But like dancing around like that and hopping and screaming and stuff like that, it made me think, OK, it's kind of like uh, was this planned? Uh, is the class in on it with her? You know, was it it doesn't look like it was spontaneous. I don't know. I, I just know. Feel, what I, I just feel like she doesn't know the trauma that comes with that culture vultures yeah they just don't understand the trauma because they feel like they see a movie 
and that movie came out with the happy outcome yeah. <clears throat> and somehow some way the natives got all their land and it, and it fools them into believing that we were fair with them right and they forget that they have a lot of white privilege the fact right. that, that she could do that in front of a a classroom of indigenous children who don't even know they're indigenous mm -hmm. right because they've been forcefully taken away from that right. through violence and torture pedophilia kidnapping mm -hmm. and then here you go you're you're like you know put your little feathers on and let's do the powwow dance uh, what just the heck? just you don't understand the trauma lady the trauma is deep the trauma is affecting us now the trauma affects our own relationships with our own family and you're walking around like a clown in front of kids that's what she looks like looks like just, a clown it's not it's not cool and i don't agree with it and shout I just, out to the student though that actually noticed this took full offense because he was native yeah and mm -hmm. he was like yo th th this isn't right no it's so not. he pulled out his phone and started mm -hmm. recording his teacher his math teacher and she probably paid 50 bucks to go to a retreat that mm -hmm. somebody kind of knew a dance and now she's doing it now she's <laughs> this actually makes me laugh at, in a way but you know i really want to point out the seriousness of our trauma we deal with some trauma that's that's not you can't just go well that happened a long time ago and we're all happy now see everybody's in the classroom together isn't that what we wanted mm -hmm. yeah but i have to go back to a violent neighborhood poverty uh below poverty living standard and and you get to go home to the suburbs well i want to see the outcry i want to see people stand up and go to the school just like how blm does their thing and other organizations back up their own people and their and their tribe and their community you know i, I would think right lucky that, that there there has to be an outcry about this right right exactly i have something to say about uh black lives matter <laughs> you know people have asked me you know members of uh you know chicano groups you know why don't you support the or do you support the blm movement and i say I have a lot of many good friends, African-American, but I do not support uh, Black Lives Matter. And this is the reason. Uh, one of my good friends is Black. He's a former member of the Black Panther Party. And we looked at the bigger picture and stuff. And he, he said something that was very powerful and it stuck with me. He said, you know what? They should take their, that same message into the neighborhoods where our people are killing each other by the hundreds they should take that same blm message into the streets of chicago all these la all these other neighborhoods where they're just where black on black crime is out of control and try to get them to listen to that message i know that they have good intentions you know but there still needs to be a lot of there there's a lot of work that needs to be done in the black community especially with uh, a lot of the black on black crime and no one's twisting uh their arms in the neighborhoods to kill each other you know they have no just like in the brown neighborhoods there's no excuse they can't blame it on their environment or anything else it's just uh, a conscious decision for them to pick up a gun or or deal dope and try to protect their little franchise or whatever they got going on you know it's just i don't i don't support it for that reason you know they need to take the that message into their own neighborhoods 
and try to clean that up too in order for someone like myself to say, okay, yeah, they are doing a good thing. That's deep. Yeah. I mean, it's you have to have critical thinking when, when you join any kind of, especially nowadays with, with Instagram. And, From what and, I know, Black Lives Matter is a multi-billion dollar, if not hundred, worth hundreds of millions of dollars, bro. Like, wow. Well, no, it's being from, funded by something. Well, it's mm. look. This is the way. And, and, I'm gonna and, give and a shout very, out to everyone, all my homies that fuck with black. I fuck with Black Lives Matter. I love how they prioritize, you know, cop killings, injustices, right? And that's what they that that's what they uh, they're stubborn about, right? Lucky, it's it's it's. Oh well, wait a minute. You know, Black Lives Black Lives Matter was was uh, created out of the uh, injustices that that police do, against, right? Against right. the minorities, right? But but that term is pretty like i agree with you lucky well this is this is the way i see it if you allow me to kind of put it into a a metaphor or some sort of an analogy right you can't get help from rich people because rich people aren't going to take your poverty away they may give you some money they may rent a haul out for you they may give you some fancy posters but just know that they're a part of the problem too. You see, just because you own a slave plantation and every slave has shoes, every slave gets to eat, they're still slaves. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be heard. I want to be heard. But it's the white man's camera that you're being heard on. Mm-hmm. It's the white man's invention. And everybody's begging to be on it. Please give me a voice. Please. Here's a few million. Let's get on this TV show. Let's, and it's all the white man's elitist tools that you're trying to break out of. Yeah, you may have a nice car. Now you have a salary. Now you go and protect. And you, until he starts saying, don't protect that. Don't protect. I'm not giving you my money for that. What are you talking about people not going to prisons anymore? You can't. It's like Stockholm Syndrome. Mm. That's what I feel Black Lives Matter is. It's a Stockholm Syndrome. You don't fall in love with the oppressor that oppressed you. The first thing I thought. I don't care how rich you are. You come from a capitalist system that stole and took land from individuals who agreed and you broke the agreement. Yet you're still profiting off of it. Yeah. You're still a millionaire from it. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a bazillionaire and you're like, hey, Chicano lives matter. Well, from what Let I Let me heard- give you a couple mil. Well, that couple mil comes from a system that oppresses my people. Right. Has right, always right. oppressed my people. So you can't give me enough money to help my people. You know what helps my people? Looking in the mirror and healing yourself. Getting a connection. Putting your hand in the dirt and going, I'm connected to this. Great analogy, brother. I like that. That's the way I feel. You know, when when BLM came into my peripherals, the first thing I thought was like, Rasa lives matter too. Like, I I don't know. I just thought that just came about, you know? My perspective, my point of view on that situation was when I saw, when I first saw them come out, um, and my all my years working, you know, uh, volunteering my time to stop gang violence, I just saw it as some kind of like I was like, okay, good luck, 
you know what are you guys doing for the um in the black community in the in the gang areas you know what are you guys doing there what are you guys doing for them i don't see you guys you know walking through the streets of compton and other areas trying to talk to the crips and bloods about murdering each other and this and that trying to prevent them from doing that you know you're just taking your war directly to the cops or the white man or whatever but you're forgetting about um the ones that are you know in the back the ones that are doing doing the 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 damage to each other to their own all they're really doing is creating a reality show out of our trauma and they're publicizing it and people will get there and they'll look on their phones and they'll share the video and look at the trauma look at the trauma we live with look at the trauma black lives matter give me some more money for posters man because look at the trauma and then the white man's just fucking eating popcorn going damn mm -hmm. damn they're fucked up yeah is it, 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 is it cheap it's Zero. like black lives matter is the production company for white people to be entertained Mm. by the trauma that happens in our communities right and you know what i was tripping out it's on a fucking reality in show. the nba finals right lebron james finals they had black lives matter on the court bro that, that their official logo on them I'm like yo that's not cheap mm. to advertise on that level we're Whoa. talking multi-million dollar say contracts. marketing 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 clever marketing will never save the oppressed right that's just plain and simple you could put it on fucking you could put it on the fucking White House itself. Mm. Cover that fucking White House with Black Lives Matter. All it is is a fucking sign. That's all it is. Exactly. It's a sign. That's it. There's no infrastructure. They're selling millions no of shirts. They're it, selling millions of shirts. And it's a sign. And now, from what I heard, though, the founder of Black Lives Matter purchased like four or five houses, luxury houses, in, in, um, in neighborhoods of like white people. Yeah, well, she wow. did because her life mattered now and oh. she mattered so much that she needed to fucking live outside of fucking the, the place that she fucking wanted to stay mm. that's how much her life fucking mattered look i want to be very clear right here because i'm not making fun of a movement that wants to correct the trauma that's happening in their neighborhood exactly what i'm doing and, and 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 zero just what i'm pointing out is that there's rich philanthropists quote unquote philanthropists that want to make a change in our neighborhood so they decide to give us this fiat currency to print up posters mm. to make videos that lead to dead ends mm. where is the change has has the stop kill has, has cops stopped killing in their neighborhood I'm not questioning your heart, your intention to want to help your community. Black Lives Matter. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that I view things as a native on the top of a mountain, looking down at everything, going, this doesn't look right. Why is the oppressor making the oppressed believe that he's on his side? Mm -hmm. Yet he's still making back backhand deals, you know, lobbying in the back, passing laws. <laughs> yeah, we're buddies. Wait, you need another poster, my friend? Where would you where do you want the poster now? Well, I I do want right. to say, guys. Wait, should we do the World Series? Do you want to do the World Series? Yeah. Let's do the World. Wait, wait. I got a better one. Super Bowl. We can do it the Super Bowl. How about that? <laughs> and and guys, and for anyone that's watching this, 
If you're part of the BLM movement, we love you. You're with us. We do us. love you. We are with you. Take that money and create your own organization and call it and name it yourself. <laughs> Don't have a CEO. Yeah. Have nothing but heart and change. It's time for us to stand up to them fucking idiots. Of course you would buy multi-million dollar houses, right? <sighs> of course. Why would what I else want? would you do? Why would I want to live by another fucking oppressor? Like, it, I just... When it comes to this, it, it, it almost gets disoriented and frustrating because we know what real change is. Real warriors that lay their lives on the line, they know what change is. And what I mean by that, I don't mean by holding a gun and putting violence in front of people's faces. What I'm saying is I'm protecting truth. I'm protecting love. I'm protecting children. I'm protecting elders. I'm protecting the water. I'm protecting the earth. I'm protecting the sky. Everything matters. Yeah. Everything matters. Indigenous lives matter. Natives lives matter. Rasa lives matter. The water, the life of the water matters. Mm. The life of the earth matters. The pollution in the air matters. We all matter. Everybody matters. I don't want a fucking sponsor. I don't want a fucking sponsor because we're saying that. I want my community to fucking let go of their fucking colonialism, put their hands in the dirt and connect. This is why everyone that's tuning in, everyone that's going to listen to this on Spotify, watching us on YouTube, on the replays, uh, do some research on that video. That was disgusting. That was a full-blown attack on the indigenous community. Right. It was, it's, it's just the same old, same old thing. And, 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 and I want that same outcry. Yeah. It's the same old mm -hmm. shit that they've been doing for hundreds of years. Oh, yeah. You know, you don't think, you know, you don't think they did that when they're fucking their manifest destiny on their way to West. Yeah. <laughs> they're taking pictures of fucking, you know, their fucking stagecoach. Yeah, remember the remember a lot of the the Warner Brothers cartoons had like deep seated racism and and racial overtones in them, anti native stuff and the blacks and the way that they would make fun of the blacks and, and stuff like that. You know, I think same the old thing, different year. I think the civil rights movement, Black Lives Matter, they just paint this illusion that everything's gone, that racism doesn't exist anymore, but it does. This country, name a fucking year that they were not racist. Hmm. Oh, so as far as and I'm the concerned, birth of their country, the whole motherfucking shit. Name a fucking name five right. minutes that they but, weren't but, fucking racist. But remember, zero BLM. The definition of BLM, according to them, their number one enemy are the police. Mm, yeah. <sighs> Who are their bosses? Who are their bosses? Who are the police's bosses? Because they need to be fucking pointed at. It's, the police are just getting orders. They're taught to not question orders. You're fighting the wrong person. Fight the guy that's giving the order. There's only one. And he got an order from someone else. So man, this we is need to be in the truth. We need to be in reality. And police officers are normal people. 
who have uniforms that get their humanity stripped away from them because right. they want this uniform. Exactly. That's all it is. This is such an explosive episode, legendary episode. We wish we could have, you know, Lucky Two Tears on for, you know, two, three, four, five oh, well, more We'll hours. have them come to the Malinali and do a, a, a Know Your Rights workshop for all our community there. And then, you know, we'll go down to San Diego and he'll host us down there and we'll do a little performance and workshop down there. It's the time is now. I like the way Lucky Two Cheers walks. He walks like there are no contracts. Mm-hmm. He walks like there are no borders. There are no governments. There are no, they're just people acting and playing a role. Mm-hmm. And I, I was on this other podcast and they, they asked me about my political stance, you know, and and I told them, you know, I don't believe in uh, the church nor politics. To me, they're built on the same foundation, hypocrisy and lies. And, uh, you know, with that, I just, that's just my stance, you know. And I said that, well, what is, they said, what, well, what is your solution if there's no politics, if there's no, you're not affiliated with uh, any form of politics, or if there was no, if this government fell or, or how would we be able to, you know, push our way from ourselves away from the government and government rule. I said, uh, people of this land, no matter what nationality or race they are, we should all have the opportunity to try to govern ourselves. Yeah, that's that's been, that was the governance of Anawak. Mm. Sovereignty. Right. Individual sovereignty. I was so sovereign, I could live in the jungle. I could live mm. in a desert. I could live by the beach. Mm. I could live wherever I want mm. because I'm sovereign. sovereign yeah, when, the, important. when you know your rights, that's what the police say. They'll say, well, were you some kind of sovereign citizen or something? I'm, no, you're the one who's a sovereign citizen. You're the one with uh, qualified immunity, you know, and the license to kill. Not yeah. me. I'm just exercising my my rights as a, as a citizen, as a citizen on this in the divided states of America. You're the only sovereign citizen here. Mr. Mm-hmm. Officer, you know, yeah, we're, we're, we have to just know that no power, government, queen, religious official has governance over your life. Mm. Your life is a mystery. Mm. Your life, we don't even know where it comes from. And I'm talking about every single individual who has a heartbeat. We're mysterious creations from the great creator who we can never conceptualize. We're that powerful. We're that connected. Right. Our ancestors studied for 26,000 years, created fires, 52 year fires. I think it's time for the, I think it's time for the star people to come down and start putting everybody in check, man. (laughs) I think that's what's happening. I think you're a star person. I think people that have a strong opinion about people who are taking advantage of individuals who are not informed and who are quote unquote weak. Hmm. That's what I was trying to point out just right now is that we're not weak. We're very, our nervous system alone, our brain. The way our blood flows through our body. We're very, very unique and powerful and beautiful. Don't let elites manipulate your emotions and distract you from reality. 
Because the reality is that we live on Mama Tonansi. And we have a beautiful community around us. And in that, there's power. Right. That's the way. I man, feel. such an explosive episode. We're going to have to wrap it up, man. Again, I want to thank you. Lucky Two Tears Morales, man. I'm sure you're, you're, you're a lot more um, informed now, right, Zero? I'm a lot more familiar. Thank you for with, all the information tears, you man. shared with our platform. Thank you for uh, saying yes to our invite and being the great person that you are, my friend. Oh, thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Yeah. Appreciate we'll, it. We'll see each other soon in real life, and I, I can't wait for that meeting of, of two very humble hearts that are just wanting one thing, and that's the respect that we deserve mm. as original people of this continent called Anawa, Turtle Island. So thank you Absolutely. for coming on. My um, anyone watching or listening to this, make sure you guys follow this man. He's a legend. Oh, he's, thank you, brother. He's a legend. Um, Keep up the good work. Any last words, Lucky? Uh, just follow me on my, you know, you can continue to support me by following me on my social media, uh, Instagram. I'm very active on the Instagram at um, lucky underscore two tiers. Uh, for those of you who have uh, Twitter, I'm at lucky two tiers and uh, Facebook, Yaki Crow. And I also have uh, TikTok. Um, let me see real quick. I always forget my... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my tiktok account yeah let me check it out real quick and this is amazing right zero he's all across social media man and, <laughs> and, he's, uh, and you know he's you know he's he's very active and and active most definitely most definitely active i have um you know, that's go, go ahead brother go ahead i'm sorry no, i'm just saying that you're a very active individual with a strong intention you know and you're using those platforms to get your intention across and uh, I just want to thank you. Thank you again. Yeah, thank you. My uh, TikTok is um, at Yaki underscore 7-Eleven. Okay. Okay. So, so we have all his handles and, and thank you so much, my brother. So much. Again, I, I can't, I love, I love meeting brothers. They have the, the heart of the ancient warriors, the ones that stand in front of the fire and have a personal connection with that intention. And it's very oh, man, you gotta you gotta meet my uh my yucky sister claudia crotok man she's powerful lady right there man. absolutely we're gonna meet all of them because we're all one family and we're yeah. gonna create spaces where we can do that me and armando are in los angeles and i have my malin alicali armando's a big promoter here in los angeles and we're trying to create spaces and venues where we can learn and share information and heal from the trauma that has been imposed on us because right. the time is now and you're not that powerful to keep that trauma in my life forever. You're not that powerful, man. Elites, queens, kings, governors, fucking captains, generals. You're not that powerful. You're not, not at all. Absolutely not. It's just a title. That's all it is. That's all it is. It doesn't mean anything in the spirit world. A oh. <laughs> oh. Wow. Amazing conversation. Thank you again, Lucky. We will uh, talk to you soon, brother. We'll see each Thank other you, soon, my friend. A whole. Wow, Zero. That's a good man to start season two like this. We had know, some two, pretty two, powerful two, guests. You know, we, we had DJ Warlock one. 
officially be our first guest for probably for the hottest underground two. the hottest underground producer in in los angeles i think in in our community in the native community in the mexican hip-hop community this brother and even in the industry his name is being he's not know, mexican though right he's um he's he's guatemalan yeah guatemalan he's mayan he's from the mayan country yeah. and that's what makes it beautiful like we're, we're starting to break down their borders even without having to break down their borders Look, their borders are nonsense. Look, their every, borders are stupid. Look, I came across Lucky Two Tears on Instagram, and literally zero. Within the first second, I stumbled upon his page. I, I glanced at it. I went through a couple of posts. I'm like, man, this was months ago. Mm. I was like, man, we have to have him on the show. Yeah, and it was a good interview. And obviously, the the chat was lit the whole show. Um, I appreciate every single one of you that spend time on our podcast and listen to our show. I can't thank you enough. Thank you, everyone who has been a podcast listener, who has went to Malen Alicali and has purchased something and supported our vision. Our vision is not to be capitalists and to be rich. We're going to be rich with our community. We're going to be rich with love, a true love. Love that is critical. Love that can correct one another in a humble way. That looks out for each other. Because that's what our ancestors taught us. Our ancestors taught us to take care of each other. This is all we have is us. We have just us. And us means anyone who is including themselves in a peaceful way, in a communal way in a non-judgmental way, in a non-hierarchy, you know, in a hierarchy, if you believe that you're higher than us, then you don't belong in our circles. We are all together in the same road, that same path. It's called life. It has its ups, its downs. It has its days, its nights. It has its good, its bad, but it's all together and it's called life. That life is precious. Let's protect that life with all that we have. All those beautiful children that you have. And let's protect our community because we're all children of Mother Earth. We all need to see that. And if you cannot see that, you don't belong in our circles until you figure that out. We love you here at Ellie Natus Podcast, and we appreciate your involvement and your chats, you know, your comments on the chat, anything that involves your energy towards Ellie Natus Podcast, we greatly appreciate. And I know that comes from Armando. And we get many gifts here, so I just got this really cool gift, right? Baby Huey kicked down, and he gave me a shirt. Product Pistolas. Product Pistolas, a.k.a. Baby Huey. And it comes with beautiful gifts, so hit him up, follow him. Thank you so much for the gift, brother. I appreciate it. I appreciate you and your talent. I appreciate show all. Him that, show, show, show him that bag on the camera right there, man. That's, a, that's man, that's Baby Huey right there. That's Push Life. That's it's Product Pistolas. He's actually performing at the Conejo event. There you go. He's on so. Conejo's new album. Right. It, 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 he just took it to another level. Like this brother is promoting himself in his own way, and this is just it's, it. It caught my attention. 
So absolutely, it comes with beautiful gifts. And thank you so much for my gift. Um, I appreciate it with all my heart. It comes with some smoke. And um, he's a very talented individual. And I wanted to make sure that I thank him for my gift. And thank you guys for being a part of Valley Natives. Thank you so much for your heart, your energy, and your love. And we'll see you next Wednesday. Tlazucamatli, Ometeo, Tonansin, Tonatu.